Hey, patrons, it's me, Scoots, and I'm just here to say uh, let's get on with the show, and I'm doing it because of you. Thank you so much, and uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, you're only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome to Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it's a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what we're going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, physical sensations, uh, work stuff, you know, non-work stuff, whatever, you know, like buzzing streetlights. I haven't mentioned that in a while, but uh, every once in a while that'll get my, get, what does get my goose meat? Maybe we'll talk about that. I'm always looking for a cheap metaphor. Not, well, I don't know if that is a cheap metaphor. Um, because uh, it, no, no, that is an interesting phrase. Uh, uh but here's the thing I'm going to try to take your mind off whatever's giving me away. I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, uh, pointless meanders, uh, tangents. You know, I'll get distracted, I'll go off topic. A lot of circular and ovular and figure eight. My, my logic's a figure eight, uh, uh, and what you say, was that a figure eight or an infinity? And I'd say, well, it's like a smushed figure eight, but it's not totally on its side. Also, at some point, I got to twist it. Could you help me twist this figure eight back? Because it kind of got twisted into like a, like a, where it's more like a figure L, like a figure eight, uh, like an L8. Uh, I guess that would be it. Yeah, my, that's my logic. That's the sign for Scoot's logic equals a figure late. Uh, it's infinitely senseless. I know that much. Uh, so anyway, if you're new here, uh, here's this podcast. I'm going to try to create a safe place, as I said, where you can feel welcome, uh, treated with dignity and respect, and ideally uh, carried off into dreamland. Um, here's like the structure of the show. The first, uh, four minutes, ideally four minutes or less at this point, uh, is what we're always shooting for of, uh, business. And then includes like a little j- j- jokey opening and all the credits and, you know, how we keep the show in the archives free, either sponsors or listener support. Uh, so it's the first few minutes of the show. Then we have an intro, which is about 12 minutes of me. Uh, trying to get your goose, uh, like your sleep goose, uh, your goose down or your artificial goose down. And is was that a Beastie Boys album, Goose Down? Or maybe that was a song, I'm going to get your goose down. Uh, maybe that no one's responding, even in my brain, it's crickets. Uh, uh, but here's, okay, so there's an intro, it's 12 minutes. You can skip it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like really, uh, an informative intro. It's a friendly intro uh, where I try to set the stage for the podcast. If you want to skip ahead to the story, that's right in the show notes. Or um, uh, you, you can listen. Like some people fall asleep during the intro. Some people get ready for bed. And uh, there's no wrong way to use this podcast because uh, you don't really need to listen to it. You could just barely listen or be aware, you could turn it way down, whatever volume works for you. Uh, you don't have to pay very much attention to me, just as much attention as uh, as you feel like you feel like granting me. Uh, but ideally, I'm, I'm taking your mind off whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, and then you drift off to sleep. This podcast doesn't so much put you to sleep, but to keep you company in the deep, dark night while you fall asleep. And why do I make this podcast? Well, because the sleep has gotten my goose more times than one, where I say, what the heck, uh, why, like, just like I say, what the heck does get my goose mean? Well, also, I also, my, my part of my questioning brain says, what the heck, Scoots, are you sure that's a phrase, getting my goose? And I say, well, I'm sure it's not getting my gander. Maybe in 1840, it was getting my gander. Yeah, but I don't know my goose from my gander anyway. Uh, but the reason I make the podcast is because I've been there, uh, tossing and turning and not being able to sleep uh, recently and in the past as a kid, chronically. Uh, but, like, yeah, what does get my goose mean? They they say that one really gets my goose, uh, but it always seems like it's like, uh, 
Like you get to my tissel and a bissel, or what do they say? Get to my bissel and a knot, or something. Uh, I don't know what, what, what that phrase is. <laughs> blew, like I said, uh, get to my thistles and a knot, or something. I guess that's not a phrase. That should be like if you knot thistles, uh, you know, wear a thumb guard or whatever the heck they're called, a thimble. Uh, but when they say really gets my goose, so like, you think it's like, it really irritates me, right? Like, uh, that person really presses my buttons. Or is it good? Like, oh, it gives me the shiver, the good kind of shivers. That really gets my goose. I think it's the first one. So why would getting someone's goose, I mean, I guess if you got someone's goose, it'd be irritating. You'd go outside and you'd say, uh, Reggie, where's Reggie, my goose, uh, Wait, is goose male or female? Like, uh, in a gander, is like, uh, or are they just different species? Uh, uh, have a gander in my goose. Uh, like, uh, that could mean anything. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, but uh, it really gets my goose. Like, if you take someone's goose, that's wrong. Uh, so don't do it. But I think you'd have more than mild irritation if you owned a goose at any time, I think, in human history. Uh, that would either be a sign you're very well off or your goose is like, uh, like really important. Like whether it's laying golden eggs or it's your best friend or like you have, you know, your family has a pillow farm. I mean, there's gotta be pillow farms, right? Somewhere or, uh, or something or like you use, you know, the goose is part of your family's business or maybe your future sustenance for your family, you know, get, getting your goose, uh, for the most part, it would be more than irritating unless you're even, you know, especially if you're like a super rich, uh, you'd say, uh, Jeeves, Jeeves, uh, how many geese do you see out there, Jeeves? Uh, well, sir, I believe we see, I see 144 geese as you always have had. Well, that's where you'd be wrong, Jeeves, because there's 143 geese out there. And I want you to go and count the geese, uh, as, uh, you know, punishment and return to me and confirm there are 143 geese out there and one of my geese is missing. There's not a day go by that I don't know how many geese are in my field. Uh, also, uh, make sure my bowl has 22 raspberries in it this morning, uh, Jeeves. Uh, and once you count those geese, uh, we will need to find who's gotten my goose and uh, deal with it. So you see, even like someone like that's going to be like, uh, it's still going to be more than mildly irritating. I don't think there's any situation again in human history. I mean, where you lose a geese, goose, and you just shrug your shoulders. I mean, I mean, unless you're that's your goose's personality, like, like, uh, like Donnie, the goose that always runs away. Uh, maybe that'll be in Gingerbread Press, twenty fifty nine. Uh, gingerbread Children's Press, uh, Donnie, the goose that always runs away. But, uh, you know, really, like, I think, like, uh, I don't know, I can't think of anyone, and I mean, let's not even get into swans, holy moly. Uh, uh, so why would getting your goose, I mean, I guess I'll Google this after it. Uh, I mean, I guess, like, uh, maybe it means, like, getting on your goose's nerves, because then a goose, usually, if you get on a goose's nerves, it's going to make a noise, uh, which gets on everyone else's nerves. And I do know that ge Canadian geese, or Canada geese, I guess, uh, correct myself now that I've been informed, uh, that they're Canada geese, uh, they can be a little bit, um, uh, opinionated, we'll say when, when I'm running, I used to have to run at one of my old jobs around this, uh, you know, whatever drainage basin that was, a you know, uh, like a, a city park, uh, and the geese never liked to see me, even though I'd say, Hey, you stay over there. I'll stay over here. They'd still express their opinion about my running. And they say, believe me, I don't like running either. I just, you know, it's like a thing I do. Uh, so maybe that's it. It's just a goose is a stand-in for the irritated party. Because if your goose is really gotten, you'd be more than mildly irritated. I mean, I guess we all we co we all can agree on that. Even the geese can. I mean, unless you're a country named Canada, and you want to come get all your geese. Because believe me, I've done podcast episodes about it already. Please come get your geese and take them all back. 
and I know it's our fault. It's all, I mean, it's definitely our fault in the U.S. I totally will, will sign off on the apology. Yeah, and you say, well, they're your geese. Uh, technically, they're just called Canada geese. I say, please just take them back. And can you can't you take them back anyway? You got all that territory up there. You know, how about Thunder Bay? The geese, like, how about the great geese flocks at Thunder Bay? Like, just can you can you take them back, please? Um, so I don't think we've come to a conclusive answer, except like uh, geese are irritable, and so that could be it. But uh, that's what these intros are, I guess. It's like uh, like, and it can be irritable when you can't sleep, and that's where I come in. And I will posit, like, you probably ideally didn't think about whatever was keeping you awake while I was on my geese tangent. Uh, and it kind of is a litmus test. Uh, see, is this podcast for me? Uh, like, if you were trying to make sense of what I was talking you know, uh, this podcast is a little bit goofy, but it's uh, good natured. Because all I want to do is help you fall asleep. And it doesn't work for everybody. I wish it did. Uh, but I do hope it works for you and give it a few tries. Uh, most reviewers, uh, on iTunes or Apple podcasts say, Jesus took two or three time, times, uh, until I got that, uh, this podcast doesn't make any sense and it's a bit ridiculous. And then it started to help me fall asleep. Uh, so give it a few tries. If it doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. I really appreciate your time and I'm glad you're here because they work very hard. And I strive uh, and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Thank you. Thanks again for coming by. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to our newest uh, series as I record this yet unnamed. But by the time you listen, I'll probably have a name for the series. But it's episodic, uh, though it does have uh, like, uh, well, it's episodic. You can listen to it in any order. And uh, it's more... It is a grounded series, but uh, the way I'm delivering it is, I guess... Uh, well, we'll see how surreal it is. So, so I really don't want to do any setup uh, of the story or the characters. Uh, but I do want to do some sort of transition, you know, to help you uh, ease into it and, 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 and stay asleep or drift to sleep at your leisure. And so this uh, for this episode, I'm going to use uh, a, an entry from Wikipedia as a transition, which will... Uh, do some set set place place setting uh, if you're listening uh, start to finish or if you're drifting off it should help too uh, so I'll be quoting and paraphrasing from a Wikipedia article titled Pretzel Amusement Ride Company which was a famous manufacturer of pretzel dark rides uh, they built over 1400 pretzel rides and sold them to carnivals and parks it was uh, the pretzel ride was invented by Marvin Rempfer. Uh, Leon Cassidy was Marvin's partner in the Pretzel Ride Amusement Company, and both names are on the patent. Uh, Leon Cassidy patented the single rail dark ride in 1928 along with Marvin Rempfer, and the company originated in Tumbling Dam Park on the banks of Sunset Lake in Bridgeton, New Jersey. A uh, rioter said, I felt like I was twisted and turned like a pretzel, and so the name pretzel was chosen. A large, heavy pretzel design was originally fixed to the front of each car to pre prevent the car from tipping back. Uh, in 1929, a standard pretzel ride had five cars, 300 feet of track, and was one and a half minutes per ride, and uh, sold up presumably wholesale for $1,200. Uh, portable rides weighed about nine tons and, you know, were moved by big vans. Uh, for a while, they were single stories, but in the late 50s, they started making double-decker two-story rides. Uh, Leon Cassidy was not a fan of the double-decker. He was wrong, though, of course. Uh, there was a ride called uh, the Mad Giant, which was it weighed 17 tons and took five hours to set up. Uh, Pretzel also made spinning rides, including one for Coney Island. Uh, many of the rides were themed. Uh, a few were uh, Pretzel Ride, uh, The Caveman Casper House, Lost Mind, Gold Nugget, Thunderbird, Junior Drive, Junior Ride, Tunerville Trolley, Whirlow, Kitty Circus, uh, Pirate's Cove, uh, or other names, uh, Winter Wonderland, 
uh, laugh in the dark, uh, laugh in the dark with spinning cards, laugh land, pirate's cave, pirate's den, uh, Paris after dark, uh, uh, Casper's fun land, treasure island, uh, tre- like uh, big pharma-rama, Le Cachot, uh, Safari, Zoomerang, and uh, like uh, one of them, which is in Pennsylvania, was built in 27 and was the oldest uh, dark ride until it was lost in 2004. And there are some, including one at Sylvan Beach, which I didn't know about, so I'll be going there this summer for sure to check that out. Conanut Lake Park adds one. Uh, Camden Park, uh, and there's also this website called uh, uh, Laugh Something, uh, which I'll try to link to that has a lot of stuff. Uh, so that is the history of the pretzel ride. When you first came to me, you were already strong and focused after spending uh, seemingly a long time in the Teenage Ninja Adventures. You were still little, but you were hard on the outside. But on the inside, you were a bit like me. Yeah, but different in some ways, since I was relegated to the classic uh, section of the park uh, that had closed down long before the park did. It was a place we restored or used when we were needed. In fact, uh, before uh, things changed, uh, they had uh, taken out uh, the second half of my traction and were going uh, to refurbish me uh, for the Halloween fun times at the park. So here I sit, a pretzel dark ride without darkness uh, right now or when you arrived during the day. My roof exposed to the sky. My insides, uh, barren mostly of attractions and almost empty, uh, covered over, but really exposed, because uh, the reality was they didn't ever have any real depth, uh, other than the psychedelic tunnel. I was just, uh, uh, curtains and turns, uh, but then I was uh, tasked with helping you. I knew the caretaker had already started working on my mechanics, uh, but I wasn't sure why or what I could offer you. Uh, you came to me, and I was, I'm just a shell. I'd always been just a shell to fill up with little things, uh, an empty hollow pretzel, was you know, like the guests would eat, but without any cheese on the inside. That's what I meant. Maybe you were a bit like that, too. Hard on the outside. Yeah, I, I thought to the caretaker, why bother fixing me up? Uh, I'm old. I've been retired, and my shattered refurbishment is gone. I'd heard of you. You know, the caretaker would talk with pride and in their eyes uh, talking about you and uh, I heard others uh, speak of you and I knew uh, some of the mammals uh, that took up residence inside me in place of the guests uh, they were always curious about you but you know I didn't even really have any buzzers left or lights uh, to light up uh and even when I did, it was good for one-time surprise. Uh, for a first-time audience or a child or, you know, people looking for a thrill. Uh, but I didn't have very rideability, you know, except for kids uh, on Ride All You Want Day trying to outright, oh, I'm going to ride it 50 times. Well, I'll ride it 51 times. Uh, it was a one-trick pony, I think is what they call it. But you're here, and when you arrived, you didn't really seem to understand any of that or or even process it. And I realized you're not a guest uh, from the old world. Uh, 
and you didn't understand uh, what uh, even my scenes were supposed to be and the difference between the dark side of the moon ride uh, and the uh, all hollow surprise time fun ride they were going to make me into. I wasn't even sure if you knew what the dark side of the moon even meant or even referenced uh, or where it originated or how it changed uh, uh, from the 50s uh, in the remnants that remained and then uh, with the uh, album that was introduced uh, in my psychedelic tunnel. Uh, you know, some kids at the, my heyday, they would ride and re-ride uh, uh, as they smoked or laughed and giggled and pointed and cracked up and or stared slack-jawed. Uh, and I knew what they were up to. A lot of them worked at the park. Uh, uh, but it's confusing even to me. Why are we still here? Uh, just uh, for you, there's no, like, uh, there's no offense. I was asking myself that question when I was a classic ride. And then when I was closed uh, for maintenance or whatever they said. And I wish I could explain to you, to sit with you, to use words, uh, to say what it looked like uh, when it did. Uh, I could see sometimes what the kids were laughing at uh, when they tried to mesh uh, two different things together. It never made any sense, uh, but none of them cared because they couldn't see the curtains and the simplicity that you saw when you arrived to the emptiness, uh, really. And I remember your first walkthrough, uh, balancing on the rails uh, with your ninja balance and your ninja jumps, uh, or whatever you brought uh, from your time in that mountainous ride. Uh, but I also remember the curious, uh, confused look in your eye. As the daylight streamed through my holes and uh, the little different families of birds and uh, friendly forest mammals uh, curled up in their nests in the corners. And then when you finally switched on the mechanics and put me in operation or the cars in operation and you rode uh, up my small lift hill. And out the door, uh, uh, for a little peek outside, uh, which uh, was always a way they, they made people say, hey, come ride the ride, those people up there, uh, they're on the second floor outside that school, they're having fun. And I know you just looked, uh, and then that's when my little tiny descent hill came and uh, picked up momentum. And then you went through my two sets of doors uh, that for some reason the caretaker had made sure were were made with new wood or rebuilt, uh, repaired. Uh, even though the old fainted panels, he still kept on there. And then you were in the, the dark ride, which was a bit silly for both of us because it wasn't dark in there. Even that day, it was a little bit cloudy. But you just looked on at some tattered curtains and, you know, some chicken wire and uh, faded wood boxes, uh, empty light bulbs and sound effect, uh, mechanical sound effects, uh, uh, long since missing parts or uh, rusted stock. And you seemed a bit perplexed. Uh, but uh, then you went to work, uh, sweeping and basic maintenance, uh, and you put on some gloves, which was surprising. What did they teach you? They taught you to where did they teach you to wear those gloves in the Ninja Adventures? Uh, and you moved the birds' nests and the in the piles of uh, the twigs and paper. 
and all the little things, and you gently moved it all out and underneath the ride, uh, where, uh, uh, they could relocate, I guess, in your opinion, and you cleaned and you washed, uh, and you patched my floor. My floor was never strong enough. I never had the foundation for real tronics, uh, you know, only lightweight, uh, paper mache or rubber on chicken wire. And then it rained for a few days and... Uh, since you were living with me, you went to work on the roof as soon as the rain passed. Uh, looking at the other classic rides roofs, I said, well, she's no roofer. I uh, wonder why the caretaker's not doing anything. But you seemed to figure it out uh, with the tin and the plastic roofs on the other rides and you requisitioned some from uh, different stands, and you worked hard, uh, not only making me waterproof, but uh, soon you found it, uh, it did make me a little bit darker inside, and and then you installed a few light bulbs, and I guess the caretaker had rewired things, because uh, the light bulbs worked. And somehow you found uh, pictures of the ride uh, somewhere in the maintenance area. You were really, I guess you'd never chewed gum before, because my gum wall on the uh, on the uh, lift hill where the ride would go up to the second floor, all along that, uh, for decades and decades, uh, children and teens and adults and grandparents uh would press to their gum against me. And it kind of made sense because uh, their gum uh, was against uh, the backdrop of a lift hill for a rocket into space, uh, which was the theme of my ride. And each piece of gum was like a star in the sky. And, uh, you know, when they main- maintained the ride, they painted around the gum and or painted over it and then painted it white. Uh, and you figured that out and you started to work on that. Uh, and there was a lot of day glow colors, which I don't know if you had seen before, uh, uh, punctuating the night sky and the white stars. Uh, it was the day glow neon of... Uh, you know, a moon launch uh, pad on an advanced Earth uh, that never ended up existing except in the minds of uh, yeah, the people at the Pretzel Design Corporation. Uh, but you worked on my lift hill and made these day-glow rocket blasts as we got towards, uh, and you colored in the numbers. I don't even know if you knew what uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, uh, any of those things even meant. Uh, and then you figured out how well, the theming went as you went outside, that you were launched off. Uh, but that somehow, uh, and this part was never clear to almost any guess, uh, that the descent hill... Uh, was where you were supposed to touch down uh, because we didn't have uh, audio. Uh, they did put it in occasionally, but it was mostly they were using the copyrighted music uh, from the band and most of the time. I think there they might have used something not even from a Pink Floyd song. And then they would get shut down. But that was supposed to be the transition where your rocket was supposed to land on the light side of the moon. But then in the descent, uh, like because the first set of doors looked like a blast, uh, and then the second set of doors was supposed to look like a crater, a day-glow crater, that you'd crash on the dark side of the moon. And you went along with it, uh, week after week, painting and progressing uh, down the lift hill, and I said, this is a refurbishment I've always dreamed of. But again, I, the other side of me said, why? why? Uh, maybe you're going to be a good painter. 
How does that help you in our current circumstances at all? If I could have spoke, I would have told the caretaker to just take you back to the ninja adventures, uh, or, you know, the wilderness, uh, like a campfire thing. I don't even know what those rides were on the western end of the park, but, uh, we could learn some real skills. Nobody's going to be painting a ride anymore, but you were focused, uh, and you even worked on uh, the gantry uh, mural and all that on the front of the ride for a while. And you did your best. I guess uh, you were good at painting. Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, like I care about you, but I don't think you're going to be a, a space artist. Uh, but you got the point of the ride. Uh, and then you started to work on the other parts of the beginning of the ride. Uh, like... Uh, uh, the the sound effects, uh, like the klaxon horn, uh, uh, that was when you when you first uh, swung around the corner from the lift hill outside. And then when you go through the second set of doors, it was just a box with ball bearings that would tilt and tilt back uh, uh, to make a sound effect. Uh, and the little bump in the track... Uh, to say, oh no, I've landed on the dark side of the moon. Uh, if I had ever gotten a full redesign, I guess it would have to have been a different ride. But uh, you seemed to uh, believe in the story, I guess. Or maybe I just was over-investing in uh, how dedicated you were. And then you worked on the first uh, turn. Uh, the first turn right uh, which was supposed to be a, a view around, uh, like, with all these craters, uh, uh, paper mache craters, uh, which somehow you learned uh, to do, and all those supplies, I guess, had been kept, uh, and you even worked on the mechanics and even parts of the, uh, the little moon moon persons uh, that were supposed to pop out of the craters and surprise you on the ride. Uh, and uh, it was cute. Uh, it was really funny to see them. Uh, not all of them would pop up. Uh, and they were supposed to turn their lights on and off, and you started to look for the lights. Uh, and it was weird that at my ride had had a mix of, because of the, you know, the Pink Floyd side of the dark side of the moon, the fluorescence and the incandescence. But you found some of the screw-in light bulbs that were supposed to light up the little moon people. And then it was a weird strobe, and that's when things started, like, then uh, above the car... We had a cawing bird sound effect in a strobe that revealed a, a giant moon bird uh, flying at the ride. And then another turn to the left uh, where another moon bird uh, was saying, here's my beak, I'm going to try to, you know, and you worked on all of that. Uh, and then a turn back uh, the other way. And uh, there was a weird waterfall effect that wasn't working. Uh, and I think the originally way it was lit, it was supposed to be moon lava, even though it was just water lit. Uh, and uh, with the effect of, uh, I think it was plastic underneath. That one you left, uh, to f it perplexed you. And then another turn to the side. Uh, it was a little box, uh, that had, it was supposed to have three little eggs in it. Uh, it took you a while to figure that one out, uh, but you figured it out from the pictures and that the uh, eggs would poke up and it'd be little uh, moonbird babies. Uh, and that instead of a quick, 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 it was just a bell, ding, 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 ding. And that they were supposed to have moon eyes, but they were also kind of supposed to put you at an ease. Uh, because uh, then when you turned back, it was like a furry purple uh, uh, moon bear, I think we call it. We didn't call it that, but I think that's what I do call it now. And there was some fur left, uh, 
and you were able to salvage some other fur. It didn't look the same. It looked very snuggable when uh, in purple. And that would crack people up because it looked like it was smiling. And it had a horn with a psychedelic painting uh, on it. Uh, uh, but you worked on that for a while and you made the best of that. Uh, and then you're supposed to turn back again. And uh, we had like hanging in the original ride. It was all hanging from string and rubber bands and even some that would swing back and forth. But this was always a debate with the ride at the park. was like, because people were always trying to grab. Uh, yeah, these weren't mer- moon birds, uh, but they were kind of moon pests uh, uh, flying around and bugging you. And uh, uh, there was like, right after that, uh, there was just like a symbol. And then you went into a part of the ride where... Uh, uh, then it was dark, and then there was a vibrating part that made your car vibrate. And then there was a like a special effect, uh, uh, which was kind of the best on the ride, uh, which was supposed to be a waving space person saying, hey, over here, I know that weird stuff just happened, but I'm a space person over here. And uh, it was just wood. Uh, but it was brilliantly designed that uh, then the light would go out and then the spaceman would, it was a flat piece of two-dimensional wood and then it would turn around and uh, uh, then you would see like uh, that it wasn't, it was like uh, it was not a space person or it was a space person, but they weren't uh, like, it was, it looked like originally like one of your astronaut friends, uh, but when it flipped, it was clearly not an astronaut friend. And you painted all that, and then uh, that was it uh, for the ride. The rest had been pulled out permanently, uh, and I don't know, tossed away. And you worked so hard, and, and and then you got obsessed with making the ride dark as possible. And then you stumbled on the black lights, uh and you must have been digging as you through uh, one of the old storage containers, uh, looking for more supplies, probably for more fur for the moon bear. Uh, but when you found those uh, uh, black lights, then you really got into uh, making that ride as dark as possible. You were mesmerized. Uh, and once you got it really dark, you would ride in there, and you kind of looked like uh, some of those kids in the 70s and the 80s, uh, their eyes beady and red or wide and red. I can never remember. Some were, I think some were one and some were the other, uh, drooling and giggling and pointing and uh, saying ridiculous things. Uh, and that's when you finally made sense at the end of the ride, the psychedelic tunnel, uh, he said, oh, okay. And the caretaker had been working on the mechanics of that, so all you needed to do was start it up, and it started to spin. And with the black lights installed, and you got it without a... It still held up some of its strange... Uh, the way it would spin as the car went through, and and you repainted it, and it was... Uh, it was out there, man, as the kids used to say back then. And then I watched you and how you would watch the different moon uh, things. And then at night you would sit out and look at the real moon. And I, I, I guess I didn't really put a meaning to what you were doing uh, until later. And my second half, uh, other than the tunnel, remained empty, and you'd have to occasionally uh, uh, move out the birds and the mammals and put them back underneath the ride, and you're always patient and kind with that. Uh, but you uh, would stare at the moon, and, and then you would uh, work on the moon that was on the front of the ride. Uh, they had both a realistic painting you had worked on, and then a silly winking moon, uh, half light, half dark, uh, 
which was a stolen image from a movie with uh, space, uh, the rocket and its winking eye. Uh, but you seemed entranced. Uh, and at some point you started uh, poking holes in the ride, in the roof, uh, on my empty side, uh, the side you weren't living on anymore anyway. And then sitting in there during the day, Everything you'd made super dark, so I wondered why. Uh, and then you started working on the roof and replacing tin with plastic and putting uh, clear plastic or faded plastic and playing with some of the mirror effects. I don't know if you learned that in the Teenage Ninja Ride or where, but in is sitting in there during the day and sitting in there during the night and in the full moon and on cloudy days and uh, writing things down and marking the floor and riding the ride over and over again. And it was mysterious to me what you were doing. And then I saw you looking at the motor that ran the whole ride and finding a setting that moved it down to a much slower speed. And I don't know, at some point it also clicked for me when you would work in the darkness of the ride and you would come out into the light of the day and you would just lie there basking in the full sunlight, uh, and I said, wait a second, is this some sort of a dark side of the moon, light side of the moon thing you're doing? But you seemed like you took the strange premise uh, and took it even further. For you just, you simply took my darkness and the light and, and the way the light changes from day to night and in the way you could just see some light in the distance and not know how far it is or where it is or is that even light. And at this point, the ride was moving so slow in super maintenance mode. It almost to crawl, uh, a chug, and you would sit there, and I knew you were seeing beyond what was there just because of the lack of light and then the few pinpricks of light or and a cloudy day the way the light would constantly be changing or where the sun was in the sky uh, how it could only be let in I don't know I didn't even understand what you did with the mirrors and things but uh, I was like she's looking not at the ride but at something beyond I assumed is something into your dreams uh your eyes were wide, wide open, looking at these tiny points of light, uh, and the way you would paint them, and uh, and sometimes you'd be in there viewing whatever it was, your dreams or your imagination, and I'd see you flinch, uh, or I'd see you laugh, or I'd see you reach out, uh, I, I was mesmerized, I guess, too. And, you know, for a while you kept designing and testing out painting and, and things. Uh, but then the storm came through. And we couldn't have expected that. Uh, but it took the whole roof uh, right off of me. And you huddled there. uh in one of the cars underneath the lift hill. And then finally you had to crawl underneath and shelter with all the all the little mammal friends down there. And you saw all their little uh, nests underneath the ride. And you saw their eyes in the light of the storm. Uh, but the storm passed and... You surveyed what had happened. My roof was gone. Your imaginary playland, uh, you know, it would take a long time, I guess, to, to rebuild that. And a lot of the dark side of the moon stuff, the paintings remained, but uh, a lot of the paper mache uh, 
it was uh, not lost about uh, all your painting and forming little bird heads and those things and uh, uh, little craters. Uh, it wasn't the same. Yeah, the psychedelic tunnel was fine because it was, you know, uh, it was a tunnel. Uh, probably could have stayed in there for the storm. And you looked over everything, and then you went back to work on the roof, uh, uh, fixing it and reinforcing it uh, instead of designing it. And you kind of seemed a little bit furious, uh, both with yourself and with the roof uh, and with the storm, maybe even with me, uh, for the roof uh, blowing away. Uh, but you seem to have a different intention anyway. Uh, you're hammering and you're screwing and you used everything on that roof, duct tape, uh, and you got it really secure. And once you felt like it was uh, almost airtight, uh, I said, what's she going to do now? What What is the next, uh, what's going to happen here? Uh then you set out, you started setting out your food and, and hiding and waiting for the mammals to, to return and the birds to return and leading them to nest in the papier-mâché craters and in the heads of papier-mâché birds, which is funny to me. Yeah, birds nesting in baby bird, bird eggs, uh, from the from the dark side of the moon, uh, and you let the animals reclaim the ride, uh, and you painted over the paper mache that was left because uh, uh, they had gotten kind of used to you. Well, you didn't overfeed them; you just used it to lure them, so they still had to forage on their own. And the mammals uh, kind of took their place uh, back there. And then you went to work on the waterfall of all things. Uh, and you finally, uh, I don't think you ever could figure out the effect that made it look like red lava. Uh, but you figured out how to hook it up uh, 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 to one of the cisterns that held the rainwater and how to turn it on, and then, and then you found a water pump. Uh, and I think you knew if you left it out, the caretaker would do that type of repair. Uh, you got the water pump moving, and it created a little waterfall loop with the cistern, and uh, soon the mammals were checking it out and playing in the pool at the bottom of the waterfall. It was a... Uh, you know, burden little mammal bath uh, that they would uh, jump in and jump out of, and and then you kind of uh, created some more divots uh, inside me. On my floor is already metal anyway, and I had some divots. Uh, created a couple more little water places for water to pool, uh, but also to drain back out. I said. Where'd she learn this? Uh, putting a hole in my bottom and a bigger hole in my top. So when it rained, uh, uh, these little ponds would fill up, uh, but they wouldn't always be stagnant. Uh, and then you moved any uh, things into my vacant side, too. Uh, not as designed, uh, but placed uh, so that more forest friends could go in there. And then it was funny, you had a failed attempt. I think after being under me and seeing uh, uh, you, you wanted to try to train, train the animals to go and use the cars as restrooms uh, uh, because you found the trick where if you removed the pretzel, the ride would tilt right after the hill. And you said, oh, that's like some sort of self-cleaning animal uh, bathroom uh, but none of them ever took you up on that offer. I think the rumbling and the rambling of the ride, uh, uh, you know, they would tolerate it uh, when the ride rambled through. And and then you would ride through slowly and watch them. They didn't catch your attention quite like the work did. 
and you made a few more tweaks and uh, made sure that there was no easy way for anything bigger than a small mammal to get in the ride. I watched you do that. Uh, and I said, how does she, where did she know this about, uh, you know, other friends that wander the park, uh, you know, that, uh, see our little mammal friends as little morsels, uh, you made it so they couldn't really get into the ride, but the little mammal friends could, and our little birds could fly in through some holes uh, in the top side. And I watched as you, at some point you knew uh, that you were done, and I didn't realize it, but uh, that you had uh, uh, refilled me in some sense, that I wasn't empty, and I guess I never really was. I, I was just kind of down on the fact that, uh, I guess because it was an unintentional, I was in an unintentional habitat. Uh, but now that you had kind of tweaked it and, and given the animals for freedom to, you know, whatever burrow where they wished, uh, I was, uh, I was there. I guess I had a purpose, uh, and I don't know if I did any service uh, to you, uh, I mean, I would hope that maybe it was that steely look in your eye, uh, where you were focused on the task at hand, uh, and you seem to be both working and taking pleasure at the same time and and recrafting me or rebuilding me and uh that that carries you somewhere and I would hope that you feel uh some cheese inside or whatever you wish to call it uh like I do now that uh by uh, helping me host these, uh, friends, uh, that helps you host to something inside of you too, that you're not just hard on the outside, like a teenage ninja. Cause I don't even think you're a teenage yet. Uh, but I knew it was time for you to go and you walked around and walked the track and balanced it again. You stood in the psychedelic tunnel, and, and then you lied down and uh, stayed there for most of the day. And I guess you were called on to somewhere else. Uh, but I wanted you to remember that, uh, that you helped me, and ideally I helped you. And, you know, mammals and birds don't thank uh, people, uh, guests, or hosts. Uh, but I know they're happy and now, so uh, I hope you uh, come visit uh, someday and just check in. I know you have. Uh, you try to act like you're just walking by, uh, but thank you.